What is up, my friends? It has been a minute. It is I, Carson, and we're back for another... What the hell is this show called? It's been so long. Just kidding. First rule of Film Club, we're back. Uh, we're probably going to be back like a, a, with a little bit more regularity. I mean, we are heading into awards season, folks, so there's going to be lots to talk about, uh, which is why we're here today. We we uh, we watched a new flick. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see it yet. Uh, it is Paul Thomas Anderson's new film, Licorice Pizza, and JT and I got a chance to go see it the other day here in big-time Hollywood. We're so Big time out here, you guys, I'm telling you. Uh, but yeah, this movie is great. We're going to talk about it. Uh, we don't get into any spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet, you can, you can. I think you could safely hang out with us. But uh, it may be more fun for you to see the movie first. So go check it out. If you are in LA, it's playing in 70 millimeter down in Westwood. And they even have like a really cool kind of interactive experience adjacent to the theater that uh, I won't spoil what it is, but if you get a chance, it is fun. Uh, so JT and I are going to talk about that a little bit. And we also, we were inspired by the coming of age nature that Licorice Pizza is. So we thought we'd throw in a bonus little top five of our favorite coming of age films. Uh, I think we came up with some fun ones, some obvious ones that I'm sure you've seen in love as well. And some kind of, you know, off the beaten path ones. So yeah, we're here to talk about some coming-of-age films and some licorice pizza, so I hope you're excited. I'm excited. It's good to be back, honestly. First Rule of Film Club, what's up? What up, JT? What up, Carson? Long time no see. Couple days. <laughs> yeah. Couple days. Just a couple days, man. We uh we saw a pretty sick movie the other day. You saw it twice. I did. Well, I saw it two days ago with you, and yesterday I had to go back and revisit Licorice Pizza. So are you just fully obsessed or what? Uh <laughs> I obsessed, you know, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Paul Thomas Anderson does it again. Uh it's his well, what I want to hear what you have to what you think about it uh, after having processed it for a couple days. I uh, after sitting, I mean, I, I liked it immediately and it has since grown on me even more. I keep thinking about it. Yeah. And and uh, I just what will say real quick, you know, I was I was less impressed with his some of his more recent things like uh, a buddy of <laughs> shout out to Ben who called it incoherent vice. <laughs> i had not heard that before and thought that was pretty funny but yeah my memory of watching inherent vice was that like eh, it happened and i didn't i didn't love it and then i may be in a, a weird camp on this one but like phantom thread didn't fully do it for me i hmm. really thought it was a beautiful looking movie but i just kind of i haven't wanted to watch it again since my tune may totally change once i watch it again but my immediate takeaway not not my favorite so i, I was finding myself enjoying pt's earlier work and being like uh oh, when's he gonna make something that i really like and i and this one finally kind of turned turned the corner and i'm like this is not only a departure in my opinion for him but uh just such a welcome change and and just for my eyeballs a, a welcome kind of return to like ah yes you made a movie that like i just couldn't stop wanting to watch well, it's funny that you didn't like uh, Inherent Vice and 
uh, Phantom Thread because people regard those as his two comedies. Isn't that and, funny? And uh, this would be uh, his most fully fledged out or fully fledged, full fledged comedy. Yeah. Uh, you know, whimsical, lighthearted, uh, coming of age story. Uh, these two uh, lead uh, characters played by Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. Cooper? Uh, Is that Cooper, his name? Yeah, Cooper Hoffman God, in his very first role. And uh, Alana Haim. Haim. Haim, yeah. Haim. Uh, uh, the youngest sister of the Haim trio. Sisters. sisters, yes. Did you know and, that it's both of her sisters and her real parents? Of course, yes. Well, okay. I knew because oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I know everything are... about this movie now. Well, for anyone who didn't know, the whole band of Heim and the parents are in the movie as Alana's family. They are. And, uh, and they're the, great. <laughs> I, I would say her dad gets the two biggest laughs in the whole show. Uh, whenever he shows up, he, uh, he yeah, he, he nails it. Um, but that, that's really what this movie feels like, is a very homey feeling like you you know grew up with these people obviously it takes place in the 70s in the valley where you know pta spent his mm -hmm. youth Cin and cinematically too it felt like familiar territory like i, I feel like we feels seen, like a neighborhood yeah but we we've we've seen this neighborhood in, in in movies if you didn't grow up in southern california in the 70s you still are like I felt like, oh, I've seen this place in so many movies, even though it's not necessarily always in scene mm -hmm. or whatever. Well, as yeah, the actor, what, what did how did what did you feel of the uh, two performances from the relative newcomers Dude, and the, I, the debut? I was so so pleased. I, I I honestly thought that they the two leads were great, like Cooper and Alana. Just I I don't I don't know I don't know what what they did with 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 old Paul. <laughs> do we call him we call him old paul on this show uh i don't know what they did man but they 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 seem like they've been doing it forever like in well, many I'm in sure. many ways like they they were better than a lot of the performances i've seen this year uh yeah they're they're very naturalistic performers uh both of them uh and from everything that i had heard going into it i was you know, skeptical just because they were getting showered with all this uh, praise, magnetic, magnetic performances is how they were being described and lived up to every, you know, expectation. Mm. Uh, she's just, you can't take her, your eyes off her. Yeah, she should be in all the movies. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think there is an outside chance of her getting a Best Actress nom. Yeah. Um, I doubt she would know. win, but I, no. I could see that. I could see that big time. It, it would be uh, fun if if that were to happen, but it's uh, it's just a joy. And to, to the uh, credit of, you know, PTA pulling performances out of people, uh, Bradley Cooper, Sean Penn, <laughs> Tom Waits, all three of them look like they're having the most fun they've ever had on screen uh, in uh, cameo roles. And, uh, you know, this movie is a very much a hangout film where it's almost like vignettes. You're going from It does have a place. vignette sort of vibe. Yeah, and you're just kind of hanging out with these characters. The, the plot doesn't necessarily go from one thing to another. Things just kind of happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, a lot of the story is in 
little glances in uh reaction shots a lot of shots of uh people turning to the camera and walking away from someone and seeing what they're thinking you know the little smirk and shake of their head like that could either mean boy am i an idiot for falling for this or boy am i really falling for this person mm-hmm. and uh you know it's very light-hearted affair like i said and then he you know throws a couple of haymakers at you at the very you know in not the tail end but the final act mm-hmm. and uh you kind of just realize that oh right these there are broken people everywhere there are there's a lot of uh unrequited love in the world mm-hmm. and whether or not this film ends in a storybook way or not uh you know it's it's not there's not a destiny necessarily cut out for everybody and he doesn't hit you over the head with that message or anything like that it's it's still pretty lighthearted, but there are glimpses into like a darker side of you know love and uh and it's and it's done really just masterfully as always yeah and shout out to benny safty too oh absolutely shout out to benny safty also i had to give a shout out to uh harriet sansom harris who plays the agent yes she also played the uh the drunk woman in in phantom thread that uh or on whatever she's on in fact <laughs> that he has to be like uh yeah you don't get to wear my dress That's, oh right on. he's that woman in that too cool she uh she stole the stole the movie for me she was uh heim's dad for you was this lady for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah she has a a great monologue little tour de force close-up performance that's that's fantastic dude she in my opinion with that that brief little performance i read that she came in for four hours and just did that one day and left uh wow i'm like you ma'am should have a role like christoph waltz had in inglorious bastards where like because yeah. i i never knew what she was gonna do and anytime that she's just in that huge close-up and yeah. she's hysterical yeah and we got to see that in 70 millimeter on the biggest screen in la basically i haven't seen it obviously any other way but what what is what is your takeaway from seeing it in 70 as opposed to any other way oh i mean it the the texture of the image i mean mm-hmm. it looks like a film from you know when your youth when you saw mm-hmm. movies going to the theater that were actually projected on film and you know there's that it's not grainy because the film looks beautiful and the mm-hmm. contrast is amazing, but it just has that kind of sepia, dusty air quality to mm-hmm. it. It feels like lived in. Yeah. And, it, and it's not, you know, it's not these great bright colors of CGI or anything like that. It just looks like a, you know, a cigarette smoke stained, you know, atmosphere yeah just has that feel to it It, and you hear the projector and it's just great that theater is great too the uh the fox whatever theater down there in westwood man oh man it's what was your what was the uh because i i I thought we had a great crowd when we saw it how was the crowd when you saw it the second time same laughs at the same points uh pretty jubilant going in Mm -hmm. uh it's weird because I don't, I just, maybe just audiences don't applaud after movies anymore, or 
the I think the screenings we went to and the one I went to um, was mid afternoon, midweek, and maybe maybe in a more packed house, it would have mm. been more you know rowdy. If we went like opening Friday night, probably, but also yeah. I I miss that. I wish I wish that was more of a thing. I like uh we don't have to like spoil the ending ending, but I love the the credits at the end. How oh like, yeah, it's such an old school nice touch to just like see everybody and be like so and so played so and so. See like it's so Jack great. DiCaprio, and you're like, wait, is that? And then you look up, you're like, indeed, it sure is, is Leo's dad. Okay. Did you uh did you hear how he wound up getting in here? Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess Paul Thomas Anderson like kind of just thought he was like, you know, a guy like fucking Leo's dad. <laughs> like, and then they just asked him if he would do it. And he said yes. And then he was Groovy, like, baby. And then yeah. he was like, did you know I had a waterbed store? And what? he was like, no, why would I know that? And he was like, yeah, dude, I had a waterbed store. And he was like, well, then I couldn't have picked a more perfect yeah, guy. Perfect. For <laughs> that's hilarious and funnily enough too i guess uh, i don't know for which film but there was a leo there's a point where paul tom sanderson was trying to get leo in a movie and it didn't work out and so he hasn't gotten leo yet but i think it's kind of a flex so that it's like i got your dad <laughs> yeah that is funny and there's a few Doesn't other cameos anymore man <laughs> there's a few other cameos but i don't think we should spoil those because they're fun little easter eggs you know when he's walking around the teen expo and there's uh, Herman Munster. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, right, there's yeah. things like that that you're just like, okay, that's, that's fun for the audience. Well, also uh, with, with that, uh, oh, what were you about to say? I was about to say, oh, it's just the soundtrack as usual. Soundtrack's amazing. a banger, man. Yeah. Just endlessly filled with bangers. Yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say, uh, you know, kind of getting at what you were getting at like the uh, the PTA crew that sometimes winds up in his movies. I'm just going to double back and say it is so nice. Like every time it struck me that I'm watching Philip Seymour Hoffman's son in this guy's movie, mm-hmm. like there, there was just a real like sense of family. There, there's about three or four scenes where he does a, a thing that if you've seen Philip Seymour Hoffman act a lot, that it's I it. It would be eerie if it wasn't on purpose, you know, mm-hmm. like either he's watched his dad do something in himself, uh, himself watched it or PTA has been like, hey, why don't you watch that scene uh, in the master where your dad does this thing? Yeah, I want you to do that for this other thing. But uh, there's a phone call in licorice pizza that felt like the punch drunk love phone call (laughs) well no not that one uh but there's a phone call where he he's he dials and then there's a a shot of him and he's got one hand over his eyelid or like his his uh, right eye and just holding his eyelid like he's got an intense headache Mm -hmm. and i I think that's the same thing he does. His dad did in uh, either Sin of a Woman or uh, uh, there's, I don't know, uh, uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, where Mm-mm. he's just, there's like intense stress and he puts his hand over his eye like that with his mm-hmm. full hand. I was like, that's the same <laughs> thing your dad does. <laughs> yeah. Who knows, man? Who honestly knows? Yeah. But, Anyway, uh, could just be DNA, I guess. Yeah, do you uh, uh you think this is going to get nominated for stuff? 
Oh, uh, screenplay, I would assume. Um, I, w- I would hope actress for Alana. Mm-hmm. Uh, I you think he's getting a director now? No, probably not seeing as uh, the reviews for West Side Story came out today and they're across the board like insane. Best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> so Spielberg might have locked himself up another one, but we'll see. That'd be cool. Uh, yeah. For him. Uh, yeah, for, for Steve. <laughs> He's um, like, I got, I did a one musical. You guys gave me a, an award. I should do these all the time. Should we uh, talk about other coming of age movies, or do we you should man, talk yeah. about no, some I, licorice pizza? Some no, I, I think, I think we've talked about it. It's clear that uh, we big we thumbs both, up, big old fat thumbs up, and I, I would love to be pleasantly surprised with like the amount of nominations because I think it's, I yeah. think it's a, a, a great flip. Cinematography, and, dude, just no. all, all around, I was impressed and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I it, it felt like probably the, our best working filmmaker probably in America fucking a yeah uh so yeah we we you had we had this little idea about a, a little a little top five of of our favorite coming of age movies yeah yes. some, some of the other ones and very much inspired by this licorice pizza film uh but I, I've I've got a pretty solid list here of, of uh of some coming of age flicks I do too I do too uh do you want to uh take first at bat or should i i will gladly take first okay with uh with i mean it's a very special one Your number five oh yeah this is my number five shoot okay then i don't want to do that one yet (laughs) (laughs) uh no you know what i'm gonna do i this this movie rocked my world when it came out and i've just like thought about it and referenced it a lot since seeing it and i don't even think i've watched it all the way through since i saw it in the theater but it's richard linklater's boyhood Mm, excellent it just it struck me at a a perfect time i know i was not alone it got you know nominated for a bunch of awards and reviewed highly by everybody um but i yeah i mean it it kind of echoed around the time that i grew up so it was almost like getting to watch my own childhood you know sans some of the specific drama uh but i just have always like come around to like thinking about uh that kid and ethan hawk and their relationship and then like obviously the meta relationship of these actors getting together every couple years to work on the same movie and it it meant a lot to me when it came out and i remember i saw it with my buddy and we walked out of the theater and we both just like looked at each other and we were like we're gonna be all right man (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what i haven't revisited that uh that one since i saw it in the theater either because i think it's about four hours long but uh damn near yeah but uh yeah what an achievement and uh, a great pick i mean very literally coming of age oh yeah as we, we get to you like get to watch years it. watch it happen yeah <laughs> uh so well my my number five um you might know i'm a big stephen king guy and he writes teenagers, young people better than anyone really his age has the right to. But for some reason, he's able to tap into, uh, you know, these young people. And there's a few of his adaptations that I, uh, I could have chosen. But I think I'm going with my number five with Carrie. Oh, uh, Brian De Palma's 1976 horror movie of uh, adaptation of King's first novel about a 
uh, telekinetic uh, force, this young girl, Carrie, who's picked on. Don't bullied, pick on Carrie. <laughs> bullied horrifically, basically. And not only that, she comes home to her mother, who is a religious fanatic, who is severely abusive. And uh, yeah, Carrie finally, you know, stops being the picked on wimpy kid who doesn't fight back and comes into her own and she sure does she sure does <laughs> to the detriment of anyone who has wronged her and without if you haven't seen carrie or for some reason are not uh you know it's not in your wheelhouse uh that's a great one good good uh john travolta young young john travolta performance and sissy spacex amazing uh carrie yeah, that's my number five. I only just watched that uh, within the last year for the first time mm -hmm. and uh, was just like blown away. I was like, how come I didn't know that it was like a really good movie and not just like a cultural phenomenon? It's like, that's a piece of film right there, man. Brian De Palma yeah. made one hell of a movie. Yeah, that's I think that's my favorite De Palma as well, but I'm could be talked into some others but anyway what's your number also four? not the not the stephen king that i thought you were going to go with for a while uh, I thought it was you know i had you i saw you smiling there and had you dangling i thought you were going to have me going to see a dead body yeah. uh anyway <laughs> i got a number four for you what's that uh well nothing says uh growing up like uh playing baseball so i gotta go with the sandlot bro wow very good a little yeah. jealous yeah i bet you are <laughs> <laughs> i had a feeling i was like jt's gonna want this baseball movie <laughs> mm. well go ahead talk about the sandlot then i mean if if you haven't seen the sandlot that's what you're doing tonight uh <laughs> right and uh don't forget to make yourself some s'mores and it'll all make sense about halfway through but uh no i mean it's just like it's that kind of first feeling of independence where it's like you got a found family and there are now like new rules and new rituals and new ways of of hierarchy and socialization. And the I, I forget, you know, I forget the main character's name, Richard Dreyfus is a kid. <laughs> but uh I'm just the, the smalls. Yeah, it's smalls. There you go. Thank you, Jesus. You're killing me, smalls. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, a, just like a terrific ensemble of kids, uh, iconic scenes. I mean that dog across the way the hot lifeguard chick uh and making and, the s'mores and smalls learns to you know to yeah come out of his shell comes out of his shell absolutely and i mean you get it's like it's like south park but pg south park that whole movie yeah it's <laughs> great it's fantastic and i've seen it 200 times yeah and and we'll we'll all watch it 200 more times and smile and be yeah. be just fine so yeah, it's, the Sandlot, all-time classic coming of age movie. Uh, yeah, great sports movie, just well done. Uh, well, my number four uh, is also about a younger person coming into their own, and that, uh, and it's also the most recent film on my list, and that's 2018's Eighth Grade by oh, Bo Burnham. Yeah. Nice, yeah, Gucci. So Gucci that's right yeah, that's, uh, yeah um, just wonderful uh, discovery another young newcomer um, 
and uh, her name escapes me right now. But Bo Burnham, Ellie Fish, Elise, Elise Fisher, Elsie, Elsie Fisher. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> nice pull. Um, <laughs> but Bo Burnham was just this young, kind of multi-talented stand-up comedian, and then came out with this most the one of the most uh, emotionally affecting, very real feeling. Uh, document of this eighth grade girl yeah. transitioning into high school and going from you know being raised by her single parent father and uh kind of not knowing how to fit in socially only on her blog vlog mm -hmm. uh where is the only place she kind of feels like she could be herself and now transitioning into a scary world of high school where there are much more real threats that she didn't necessarily take into account and it's all put there on screen and it's not uh sugar-coated or anything even though it is hysterically funny a lot of the time it's it's just a very heartfelt real emotional fantastic film a tearjerker in numerous ways mm -hmm. um you know you'll tears of joy to tears of fear it's it's just it's just a really well-constructed 94 minute breeze oh wow yeah, yeah it's fantastic it, that is a quickie so yeah as far as the more recent coming of age films i think that's the the best one we got i think too as bo's star continues to rise people will visit revisit find this film and kind of it'll grow over time as like a one of those great debut films mm -hmm. and you know slumber party thing for like you know young girls to you know it'll take over princess bride yeah <clears throat> um am i at number three you are number three number three um so it's between a couple but i'm just gonna pull the trigger on on this one it's one that uh i only watched just like maybe two months ago in film club but mm. uh this is either the oldest or spoiler maybe second oldest movie on my list here but it's a yasajiro ozu his movie good morning wow have you seen it i have not seen good morning and okay i i i'm looking on my shelf because i think i picked it up go ahead you have it for those that don't know, JT has a quite impressive uh, Criterion collection of his own. But uh, yeah, good morning, man. Okay, so first of all, Ozu is a master. For those who don't know, I'm going to mansplain real quick. He did Tokyo Story and a bunch of other of like the all-time great films ever. But uh, this is what this movie is about. Two little kids, brothers, they go on a, uh, a, they take a vow of silence until their mom buys them a TV because she won't buy them a TV. And so they refuse to speak. Even in school, they refuse to speak until their mom buys them a TV. They're being very stubborn and they're being bad little boys. But this movie is fucking hilarious and so cute. I'm watching it as soon as we hang out. Oh yeah, dude. The, little, the littlest kid I think is like four. And then the other one's maybe like 10. Mm. Uh, and they're, it, it's cool too, because like, it's from like 59 and it takes place in like a little suburb of Tokyo, I think like maybe an hour outside of town or something. Uh, and it's just so interesting to see uh, like growing up in a little suburban household 
and like walking to school and all this shit but like in 1950s japan this you know it's like it's a world away and a whole gener several generations away from how i grew up but it felt so uh relatable and a uh, lot of hilarious fart humor <laughs> well i mean who doesn't like i mean it's a coming of age story what yeah what man what well, there's got to be farts well i am uh i so, yeah. am good morning great pick Thank i'm you. very much looking forward to that well my number three is probably the film on the list i've seen the most times uh and it came out at a very influential time in my life, uh, even though I was so far removed from the uh, environment it depicts. And that is 1991's Boys in the Hood by John Singleton. Excellent, uh, excellent choice. Yeah, uh, following the, uh, if you haven't seen it for some reason, following the uh, lives of four friends, uh, young friends in South Central Los Angeles as they navigate gang life, school life, family life uh, in the hood, quote unquote. And yeah. Um, yeah, just the everyday nonstop onslaught of um you know traumatic events mm -hmm. and they're not it's not exploitative it's actually extremely informative where with like a lot of um really well constructive if a little preachy like monologues by uh Lawrence Fishburne but I, I say preachy in the most you know non uh, I mean no offense by that it's just hey you if you want to get a message across and you don't want to make your film three hours long, you know, you got to condense it into a very sharp monologue and let's go. Have um, dad tell you what time it is. <laughs> dad explain to you why you're fucking up and you're going to learn a lesson right now. We're one all going to learn a lesson. One of the great dads in cinema, huh? Yes. Actually. Oh, Furious Styles. Oh, Come on. Top, top five. Top five great dads. Top, top five dad. Top five movie, dad. Boom. Easy. Oh, man. <laughs> Save it for the Father's Day pod. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, not, not, not anything I can add to the discourse on Boys in the Hood, but that's uh, one of the greatest movies ever made. It's my number three coming of age film. Hell yeah. Am I already at number two? You are. We're moving right along. Yeah. This is, this is nice. We're coming up. We're growing up quick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so there's there's some like what I would think are obvious choices, and uh, I'm just gonna not make those choices. I'm gonna go. You're gonna go from the heart. I'm like gonna go it. from the heart, you know, uh, which is why uh, we're doing we're doing a movie that I don't I don't know if you've seen it, and I don't know who out there has heard of this movie, but it's it means so much to me. This movie, and I it only came into my life just last year, and it's like an hour and fifteen minutes long. It's from africa and it's called supermoto oh yeah supermoto is awesome you watch supermoto oh yeah, yeah yeah oh thank god okay good yeah dude okay everyone needs to watch this movie <laughs> it's, it's so good i think on my list here yeah it's the it's the saddest movie on here but it's that movie is not sad and and the no. thing is, like i'm too excited okay let me just calm down so this movie rocked my world because I, I didn't know much about it going into it uh, but 
long story short, a little girl has terminal cancer and she wants to be a superhero. And her sister takes it upon herself to help by having the whole town pretend that she is one. <laughs> it's the single, like just simplest distillation of kids taking care of each other and showing the adults that sometimes they don't have all the best answers or the right answers and that uh, we as adults and even you know older than us and parents and whatever it's easy to fear for our children especially when they're in a very scary situation um, but sometimes man you just gotta let the let the kids take the reins and I mean everything about that movie I, I felt every emotion uh I had happy tears on my face. I thought about it so much afterwards and it was just an hour and 15 minutes of my day. It's like, I can't sell this movie enough. I think everyone that's listening to me talk right now should go buy it <laughs> on Amazon or iTunes or buy a physical copy or support this movie however you can. It's not that old either. I think it's from like 2018 maybe. And it's- uh, Yeah, yeah, it's pretty recent. It's just, it just is an unmissable delight and one of the great coming of age stories. Now that's, see what you've done to me here <laughs> is now- There's I'm no my, wrong answers, man. No, no, there's no wrong answers, but I've got, I've got a solid number one that I don't want you to sneak, but uh, my number two, uh, see, cause you've hit me with a couple art films and I feel like I should, <laughs> it's only right that I counter. And so I'm going to I'm going to forego the ob the two obvious ones that I had at number 2. And I'm going to say for my number 2 I'm going The Squid and the Whale. Ooh, cool. <laughs> yeah. So Squid and the Whale, boy, what an audible. Um <laughs> coming in hot. So Noah Baumbach's uh a film about divorce basically before marriage story mm -hmm. um and uh this this young boy these two young boys basically um coming to terms with the fact that their dad is not the superhero that they um have always kind of seen him as that he's actually just a narcissist compulsive liar um kind of scumbag <laughs> shithead and and you know, you kind of see these characters, these young boys grappling with a reality or or more so watching their fantasy world kind of crumble and having to grow up and just become adults. Uh, and it sounds very depressing <laughs> and, it, and it is in times, but it's also very cringe-worthy, hilarious like watching Jeff Daniels just try to navigate his uh, pretty miserable failure of an existence is pretty funny if you're willing to laugh at a schmuck acting like a schmuck. Yeah. And and he also learned some things, but really you're following the, it's told from the young people's perspective. Mm -hmm. And they're obviously surrogates for Bombox you know childhood him and, him and his brother or something yeah probably you know mm -hmm. uh growing up in you know the kind of upper middle class well-to-do 
uh, but also, you know, kind of faking it till they made it. Totally. But it's it's just a great pre and and also a precursor to the great things Bombach was going to do later mm -hmm. but uh you know he knocks it out of the park was that his like his first movie or just like his first kind of big movie that i think it's noticed? his first big movie because i think kicking and screaming was before oh yeah movie. yeah okay yeah. yeah which i still haven't seen uh good one but right, anyway I, I bet your uh, number one dude my number one is is this one is kind of more predictable and okay. and probably would be a lot of Fair. people's Probably would be a lot of people's number one, mm -hmm. um, but it's special to me for for various reasons. But it is John Hughes' Breakfast Club. Yes, very good. I mean, that was that was That's what you that I just audibled out of. Out my... of okay, yeah. So it's, it's you're welcome. A, it's special to me. I'm sure it's special to you. But it's uh, you know, it's it's five different teenagers all experiencing. Uh, being one all at the same time and so it kind of just covers every bit of ground in a very mm -hmm. ma in, a, in quite a magic trick for a guy who is so good at writing movies that's probably his best written and uh, directed piece where just like e even as uh, as much like of the 80s that it is it's mm -hmm. really managed to stay quite timeless as far as with what it deals with and how being a teenager hasn't really changed all that much. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like how, how could you top the breakfast club? <laughs> yeah, you can't really <laughs> like, you know, I mean, John Hughes certainly never did, even though you know, <laughs> it's his, it's his best, most complete John Hughes movie. I mean, there's, there is the John Hughes type movie yeah. and it's really this. This yeah, is and, what everyone and talks about. Because you could just as easily pick Pretty in Pink or Ferris Bueller or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's it's The Breakfast Club for me. Great soundtrack. Uh, because I did a show of the Brat Pack. It was called The Brat Pack. That's how I met my girlfriend. You know, so it's a whole thing. That's great. You know, yeah. love The Breakfast Club. Love John Hughes. I do too. And uh, I'm glad I let that one go to you. I had a feeling. <laughs> I had a feeling because it's the first one you think of. Um, well, part of me really wants to just win this whole thing and take super bad, but yeah. I'm not, but okay, I'm not okay. going to, okay. I'm not going to, but I just want to let it be known that real quick parenthetical. You're right. That's the other best one. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to leave it off my list entirely. I should have taken it too, but I'm going to leave it off my list entirely because I'm going to stick with the plan. And my number one is Hoop Dreams, Steve James, 94 documentary about two inner city uh, Chicago uh, teenagers chasing their dream to make it, uh, well, just to make it into college and then into the pros playing basketball. And you see them over the years from when they were in, I think, seventh or eighth grade up until uh high school uh th through their high school career and um all the things that happen you know unforeseen circumstances and tragedies and uh they have to like so many people in these so many characters in these other films we were talking about have to come to terms with being growing up faster than they should have to only these are real people mm -hmm. and uh it's 
a tough sit at times just because it's um you're you're empathetic you know your empathy mm-hmm. but uh it's it's tough it's to also just a like really make the wrong choice sometimes yeah making, and then just do it in the real life make, yeah making bad decisions or just being in circumstances where you're like well no this isn't going to end well mm-hmm. and it's people's real life and coming to terms with the fact that you automatically assume things are going to not work out because of these people's circumstances and that's just there's just bigger world issues going on than just whether these guys are going to get accepted to college right really there's just like a whole societal thing going on which we don't have to get into but it's just a wonderful movie in all regards probably the best documentary i've ever seen it it's it's certainly one of the great documentaries ever and yeah i mean it's a special piece it's also kind of cool i think that like boyhood and this are bookending our whole uh yeah top five experience because they're they both kind of cover a lot of ground over time similar themes indeed very good well i think this was a success indeed i love me some coming of age movies and there's there's a trillion that we left off is if there was if there was one just one honorable mention well the one honorable mention uh you know what <laughs> is it too hard to just do one do you want to just rattle off a couple no you've named a few of them like ferris bueller days and confused those are the, the obvious ones i guess i want to highlight a couple one that i think we've talked about maybe a year ago on this was leave no trace oh yeah thomas and mckenzie and uh, ben foster mm. uh that's great movie one i almost said just to fuck with you was terminator 2 <laughs> Uh, which you know hey man john, john connor john connor's got a lot to got a lot of potential that he's dealing with living up to uh we danced around stand by me and it mm-hmm. uh book smart great very movie. good every i mean honestly and it's it's so fun that it's jonah hill's sister but i mean yeah it's like the spiritual companion to super bad of course ladybird we didn't even no, mention yeah, yeah. ladybird uh, Jojo Rabbit from that same year. Yeah. The Edge of 17. I never saw that. Oh, it's awesome. You have. Yes. Watch okay. that. It's great. Uh-huh. Great, great, great. Great Woody Harrelson, too. Um, and uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Hey, one that almost almost very nearly made my list was Moonrise Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I was going to kind of be I was going to try to, like, explain it, but I don't even think I need to really. But Inside Out, the Pixar movie, of course, yeah. almost almost picked that. And then uh, I, I actually had an alternate number one that What's was uh, going to be Pather Panchale part, part of. The, oh, yeah. The Apu, Apu trilogy. Uh, the whole trilogy is is the coming of age story to end all coming of age stories. Yes. Uh and and the first one is you would have like, just been so i, I would have just I, I would have been smelling my own farts like <laughs> drinking a bordeaux or whatever bordeaux i don't even know i'm not well, fancy enough to be as fancy as i think i am <laughs> the other one i almost put on there was dog tooth oh god you still ha- have you seen it yet i have <laughs> yeah yeah i was just like but technically they're not teenagers if your whole life was a lie yeah this is what it would be technically not teenagers so this is coming of age in a world of lies yeah uh and uh we just saw mike mills latest oh yeah come Come on come come on come on another great coming of age this year 
but his last one, 20th Century Women, also mm-hmm. great coming of age movie. Well, write all these down, folks. Watch yeah, every single go. one of these films that we've talked about. <laughs> How did we do on time? Pretty good. I think we did good. We did good. Not not too bad. But uh, why don't we say goodbye to the people and uh, let them s- tell us some of your favorite coming of age movies if we if we didn't shout them out, you know, hit them in the comments or something. But uh, much love and uh, much love to you, JT. Much love to you, Carson. Talk to stick, you soon. Stick around. I'm just gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell these people goodbye, but I'll talk to you. I'll talk to All you. Right. I'll, I'll talk to you people later. Have a good night. <laughs>